found a lady on TikTok that responded to my questions, like how to start, what do you do, players, buyers, all that stuff. And I got my first deal in three weeks from word of mouth and sold them too, and netted 17K wow. out of the gate. Everybody wanna get the bag, but y'all don't really know what it's gonna take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue gems, about to show you the way. Cause we're top finance and them up shots in it. Anything it takes to get real estate. We've been grinding up there, finding ways to get paid. Better hop on this wave, cause we're dropping blue gems. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Vin, my man. Let's go, bro. So, uh, Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to have you in, man. Uh, it's been cool. a long time coming. Um, you're part of the Sub 2 squad, Airbnb, STR, Monster. Man, uh, what Aiden and I, I like to do, we just kind of like to give you the mic, introduce yourself, tell us what you're up to, uh, how you got into real estate, all that good stuff. Awesome. Dude, I appreciate the honor and of uh, you guys bringing me on here and speaking tonight. It's, it's a blessing. Can't thank you enough for that. Um, yeah, so it's a long story per se, Love <laughs> everybody, it. I think a lot of people jumped into real estate around the COVID era. Uh, that was a big push across the For board. sure. Um, the, yeah, that's pretty much why I got into it because if you can't tell, I have a lot of tattoos. I'm a tattoo artist by day. Um, and when COVID shut down everything, we were out of business for three months and I just had an awakening because I got to make money somehow without working. <laughs> and that kind of just dove right into it. Yep. Love it. Love it. Uh, what made you choose short-term rentals specifically out of all the real estate options that you had? So that was not the first thing I got into by any means. Um, the main thing that I got into from in real estate was wholesaling. It's one of the biggest things that people do to get into real estate. It's one of the fastest, easiest, and quickest methods to get through. It is actually, it's not easy. I shouldn't say that. It's really difficult. Um, but no, I got into it because I watched the TikTok video. And I saw, no shit. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this. No, I watched the TikTok man. video. <laughs> and um, it just, it hooked me. I'm like, there's no way this is real. It just seems way too easy. And uh, I tried it out. I did some research. I actually found a lady on TikTok that responded to my questions, like, how do you start? What do you do? Lawyers, buyers, all that stuff. And I got my first deal in three weeks from word of mouth and sold it in two and netted 17K wow. out of the gate. It was pretty Damn, amazing. bro. Amazing. Off the bat. <laughs> yeah. So I was hooked. I was like, this is real. I've never had a check that big in my life. Like I made that in half a year at my old job as a pharmacy technician. It just blew my mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, man. That's, that's a pretty unique story because I think most real estate investors, their first deal comes like six months, nine months, a year later. So for you to lock one up three weeks and it'd be 17 grand. Yeah. yeah. I'd be hooked too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a caveat to that. And, uh, Steve Trang said this once, it's oftentimes worse to get your first one that fast because you don't really know what you're doing. So repeating mm -hmm. the process is that much more difficult because you're on a high. You're like, yeah, I can do this. And you really don't know what you're doing. <laughs> 
So it became a journey after that. And through that, I found creative financing. I found sub two community where I met you um, and all that. And Aiden, I don't know. Are you in sub two? I am not yet. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you got to sell me on it. (laughs) (laughs) It, I will. I'll hundred percent sell you on it. hundred percent sell you on it. It is the absolute reason why I found Airbnb and got into Airbnb rental arbitrage. 100% the truth. I had no idea what creative financing was and because of wholesaling and then YouTube university and just digging more and more into the world of real estate on the investor side, because I have an entrepreneurial mentality just because I am a tattoo artist, self-employed and, you know, nose to grindstone every day for the last seven years. So I get it. Um, yeah. So two changed my life and I found creative financing and more creative ways to do Airbnb at a faster pace in that sense. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so are you still tattooing today? Like what's, what's that like now that you're blowing up in real estate, right? You're doing podcasts now. What's the tattoo life doing now that you're famous? Um, <laughs> 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 it's still going strong. I finished the tattoo 30 minutes before I got on here. I'm working full time oh, right wow. now still. Um, tattooing is my passion. Art is my passion. Uh, entre- being an entrepreneur and uh, anything creative like that is my passion. So it's not something I'm ever going to fully give up. I am weaning off it slowly. As of April, I'll be down to three days a week just for six hours a day. So it's a really nice life there. And then by October, I'll be down to two days, which is kind of my stopping point, I would say. Cause I want to keep at it. I want to do cool, unique projects for people still while I do real estate and make a passive income to supplement the difference and then just do it for fun. Nice, man. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty tatted up, bro. I'm going to have to uh, swing by New York sometime and, and we do a little collaboration. Oh, yeah. I'll come to you too. I love <laughs> hey. it. I love Let's it. Yeah. Aiden, I know you got some questions for him. Um, you want to yeah. tackle some of those, bro? Yeah, for sure. So, Walk us through one of your your creative deals. So you mentioned you did the the wholesale for for your first deal. So walk us through, you know, maybe your second and third deal. You said it wasn't as easy as the first one. So what were some of the challenges there? Challenges is learning how to be a salesman when you had never been a salesman in your mm-hmm. entire life. So it's it's that's the first step into any of this. And if you don't know how to do that, it's going to be an uphill battle. It always is, but it's a lot of work. Um, the next deal honestly didn't come until April. So I, this was in October of, um, 2020 and then April, uh, April of 2021. So about six months later, I got my second deal and it was actually brought to me on a JV. So it wasn't something I locked up. And so we, I did a daisy chain on the deal, which means the wholesaler brought it to me. I was able to find a buyer who then bought it from me and then sold it to another buyer after that. There was enough wow. spread on that that we actually got a 50 case spread between everybody that closed on the deal. So we walked away with 10 because it was five people involved. It was, it was crazy. And that actually, it's a long ass shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that deal died for about a two to three weeks. We got a random buyer that messaged asking if it was still available. And then we just reached back out and it still was. And we walked it to the finish line. Surprisingly. Dang. It's crazy. Wow. So when you say it died, what, like, what do you mean by that? So was it that no one was interested? They couldn't get the cash to close? What was going on? A mix of all of the above. Nobody either could get the cash to close. Everybody thought it was locked up way too high. We kept getting people to come in at us around 160 to 170. 
And then we actually sold it for like 212. And then the guy in the back end sold it for like 230. Wow. So like we, he just had a hedge fund or he had somebody specific that was buying that deal. And we just got lucky on the numbers in that sense. Cause we knew it was, there, but we just didn't, nobody would do it. Right. Right. You needed someone that was willing to pay a premium. How many, how many deals have you ended up keeping yourself? So how many rentals do you have in your portfolio right now? The only deal, actually, we just sold it the other day. We did a fix and flip um, virtually in Atlanta, Georgia back in September. And then we sold it and closed on it um, Friday, actually, finally. Hey, <laughs> hey congrats. A lot of less layers than that one. Was that the first flip? Yeah, very first flip and totally virtual. That is incredible. Never saw the property, bought it through my laptop, over my cell phone. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. You can't Damn. tattoo through your laptop. So I feel you. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Uh, what about rentals? Um, so obviously, you know, this is a short term rental focused podcast. Um, you know, what's your STR portfolio looking like right now? Right now we've got three fully active uh, arbitrage Airbnbs running. We've got a fourth that we're actually going to be launching the, by the end of this week, I think. Um, and then we're actually calling about four to five other properties across the nation right now, trying to get them locked up and launched. Yep. Nice. Are these all in New York or, or where are they? So two of them are in New York. One's an hour and a half away. That's pretty virtual as is, but the other two are out in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, and we launched those back in, uh, early December and then February. Yep. Man. Um, I, I never, met a host that has a property in Minneapolis. How is, uh, how's that going so far? For real? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's actually not going bad. We launched in the, the quiet off season per se in that sense. So the numbers are all breaking even, which is what we expected going into it. So, but throughout the summer, since there is an on season and due to such a large size city and uh, a lot of major corporations and stuff out there, the, the on seasons predict really good numbers. And that's why we picked it for that reason. Nice, nice. And are you managing remotely, I assume? So you're not really having any involvement. Do you have boots on the ground? What are some of the processes that you're implementing to be able to manage so far away? Yeah, so we are managing from here remotely through all the apps and stuff like that, Verbo and Airbnb specifically. But I do have uh, boots on the ground. One of my buddies out there wanted to jump into Airbnb with me and learn the ropes. So um, in that sense, I was able to teach him while he helps me out and kind of property manages as needed. Yep. Along with our cleaners out there too. What all does your buddy do uh, for you? Like I, I know property management can be such a broad a la carte, you know, version of, of what it is. So what's he doing? Yeah. Um, so if there's any issues that arise at the property, he goes up and checks it out. Um, he just does, you know, well now checks out the property once a month as is just to be sure it's still up and running and we're not getting uh, lied to by our cleaners of any nature. Um, he, you know, fixes the light bulbs and things like that as needed to for the light non handyman style work. That's what I would say. Um, example, actually, here's an issue with Airbnbs in colder climates. And one of the problems of virtual hosting, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a guest arrive. I had a guest arrive this Saturday. Um, and they got to the house and it was 35 degrees on the inside. <laughs> oh my God. So I had Jeez. to figure out what was wrong. Yeah. It's, that was bad. 
the uh, the thermostat was broken and it's a newer electronic version. So my boots on the ground had to go to the property, check everything out. We found there was a small leak in the property at the same time. So we had to, he had to kind of coordinate with the guests what was happening to help re- alleviate the situation. And then we kind of, we were able to fix it and uh, get them back to the property the following day. Uh, but he does stuff like that. He helps manage and be there for the guests as needed. Do you think you'd be able to manage without him or what would you do if, if you didn't have someone on the ground? You can't do this without people on the ground. That's absolutely impossible. When I, if, if there's anybody out there that's doing it, I would love to meet them and learn how they do it. <laughs> right. Right. Truthfully, if I didn't have him, the best thing you can do is really befriend your cleaners, really get mm-hmm. to know them, form a partnership with them. Um, and then work side by side. I would, I would say, don't be their boss, be their partner colleague because you're there to help each other they get paid if you get paid so yeah that's a good way to look at it for sure i mean in our business right our sdr business we we definitely live and die by our cleaners and handymen i mean they are the eyes and ears of our property so if they're doing well our properties are doing well you know so i hear you man we definitely need all the work and uh, workers and helpers that we can yeah exactly so What's uh, what's one thing that you can contribute to your life so far that's changed since you've uh, gotten into real estate? You know, has, is there one thing that you're just like, man, you know, this has really opened up my world or thought process or way that you're thinking about your future? Yeah, entirely. <laughs> the broad estate <laughs> that it was 180 <laughs> flip, absolute 180 flip in every direction. Um, wow. it, yeah, um, I would say I've grown up and I think majority of humans in America, most in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, first world countries, a lot of people that have social networks and things like that grow up in a very competitive, a competitive mentality and a competitive lifestyle based on the influence that they, we see in Hollywood and movies and things like that. And just how we're raised as children and the way the school systems work, um, Real estate for me really helped see the go-giver mentality of a lot of people that are involved in the world of real estate, truthfully. Um, there's always those people that are in the competitive nature. It's just is what it is. But I'd say in sub two specifically, and um, JB can testify to this for sure. There's such a family mentality in that mentorship where everybody is just there to literally work together and be go-givers and just help everybody, you know, get paid every single day. Um, that changed my world in every direction with tattooing, my family, my kids, my friends, my relationships, just, it opened me up and found, I found who I was, I would say in that sense through the journey so far. Wow. 100%. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. I mean, you are right though. The camaraderie that we have in that community, like I take it back to when we're all growing up, right? Uh, we're all part of a team. You know, we have classmates or we're on, you know, a basketball team and we just really, really appreciate and almost like as humans, um, you know, thrive off of being a part of a partnership or a team or that camaraderie, that community. So when you fast forward into your adult life, we lose that, you know, we're kind of compartmentalized with your cubicle or whatever your job description is. And, um, you know, it's it's a dog eat dog world. So when you get that back and you feel like you're part of a team, man, we're all on the same team. And, and uh, yeah, things are 
are amazing that way. I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Uh, Sub two brought the same for me. We got to get Aiden involved, man. Sub two squad. So, yeah. so what would you, um, what would you say to someone who's just starting out? They don't have a ton of money to invest into a mentorship. How would you sell them on, on joining aside from what you've already mentioned? I would tell them to go to the creative financing page that pays more because in place and ask to squad up with anybody that is actively doing real estate sub two specifically, but because everybody in there is active as they can be, but just really part with people go for half a watermelon, not the entire grade. You'll get paid. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, half a watermelon. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The sub two community, um, you know, there's that free version of the creative financing with pace and, uh, I know myself, I, I'm still active in the, the free, you know, Facebook group too. So uh, that's definitely uh, some good advice. So what, what, um, what strategies have, have both of you implemented from learning from Pace? Because, you know, we talked about the group and, and creative finance is kind of a broad term, but do you have any examples of specific deals you've done where you've implemented some of the strategies that you can talk about? Yeah. Um, truthfully, I learned how to raise private capital for deals and how to utilize that money correctly because of the pace mentorship. I had no idea in my entire life how anybody got real estate or how they ever saved enough money. Um, Pace really went down and taught everybody really specific lessons on how to do that. And uh, yeah, it was life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. Yeah. I think for me, kind of similar, you know, I've definitely learned how to raise private money, um, Mm -hmm. you know, utilize it just like you alluded to, Vin. But um, that go-giver mentality, I think, is something that I've always been that way just naturally. You know, I've always wanted to give back, uh, but pace really takes it to the next level and, you know, sets a standard what we can all strive for, you know. So that's something that I've learned. I know it's not creative financing, but I, I think it's even more beneficial than learning a strategy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we also, um, a couple of my partners, we have uh, three sub two deals and one seller finance deal. Um, you know, that would not be possible without, you know, the sub two community. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and just in general, thinking about real estate from a creative mindset, anything right. damn near as possible. You know, if, if you have a deal, yeah. you can find a way to creatively lock it up. If it's a deal, it can happen. Yeah, it's almost a uh, a mindset shift from from how can I do the deal rather than, you know, just saying, no, it's not possible. So I think it just opens up your mind to just be more creative overall. So, yeah, I think most people are just so used to the traditional methods of, of buying and selling real estate. Right. You, you, you see something that's listed on the MLS. You go talk to myself a included. Yeah, you have to, you know, put 20% down and then that's it. You know, that's what I thought for sure. But uh, yep. yeah, Pace's mentorship brings it to a whole nother level because Pace, I don't know, he has over 100 units probably and he hasn't oh, bought yeah. any one of them a conventional or traditional way. No. So it's we, we as students bring them to him. Yep. yep. <laughs> it, it's, it's nuts, man, for sure. It's absolutely nuts. It's crazy. Sub two mentorship is a literal college education crash course out of the gate. Like that's the best way you can do it. If you can dedicate two years of your life to like just really studying what's being said and taught to you and just allow that time by the end of that, I I guarantee you're going to come out 
with a master's degree <laughs> and it'll keep on going. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, we have such a strong community. So like mm-hmm. if you need a lender, if you need um, if you need a buyer, if you need a private money lender, if you need anything and everything, you can make one quick post and there'll mm-hmm. be 47 comments or DMS within 30 minutes. And, you know, I'm not exaggerating. Not it is, it is that crazy, you know? Um, so we all have each other's back. And, and I think that's the most special part of this community. Mm-hmm. So we're not selling you at all, Aiden. I mean, no, we're, yeah. we're not at all. <laughs> we went from, uh, we went from short-term rentals to sub to uh pitch fest, but you know it's, what? Um, I, I love it though. I love whenever, it's good. you know, the conversation just, just flows and wherever it takes For us. Sure. For yeah. sure. I did want to go back to those arbitrage deals though, because, you know, I hear, I hear a lot of people kind of um, roast arbitrage, right? Cause they're like, oh, well, you don't own anything. Um, you know, you, you might be not following the rules. So, so I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on how you go into an arbitrage deal. Some of the pros and cons versus, you know, a buy and hold strategy. Sure. Um, well, one of the main reasons that my partner and I decided to arbitrage was because the f- quickness of entry. Um, you don't have to wait for closings. You don't have to sign any major documents or go through title companies or anything like that. It's just a lease agreement between you and the landlord. That's it. And you can get as many as four. If it's just you alone, you can probably get four properties a month if you can find full, fully furnished properties. And then you can actually negotiate upfront fees could be completely zero. I know people that have gotten three free months out of the gate in arbitrage because of no negotiations and it was a free property out of the gate. And how did you find someone willing to rent you a property that can then be rented short term? So that's the trickier part. Um, my partner is actually coming up with a lot of better ways and methods to search for these properties because we have certain buy boxes that we ought to aim at because we can control kind of what we're getting um, per month based on the numbers, obviously. So right. we look for landlords that have had properties um, listed for probably 30 to 60 days and not getting any major activity on the rent. So it shows a little bit of a pain point. So we start targeting them and then we have a conversation with them and basically break down the process tactfully. Um, so we're not spooking or scaring them. It is a little nuance. But we're explaining to them how we are a corporate rental management company, how we partner with a lot of landlords across the nation. Um, if they would like references, we can provide them, obviously. Um, and just how we're there to bring value to the property and pretty much make their life as easy as possible by becoming the best permanent tenant they ever can have. That's pretty much the breakdown of it. Right. I've never, um, I've never actually heard someone have a strategy like that for arbitrage. You know, I'll hear a lot of people say, oh, find a corporate lease or find, you know, a building that you can, that will allow it. But what you're saying is, is find a landlord with a problem and then figure out how you can solve that problem by becoming a very good tenant, right? The best they'll ever have. Right. And so, and so how long of a lease are you typically signing? At minimum one year, we shoot for three plus because wow. the goal is to never leave the property. It's endless cash flow uh, with no entry costs. So, I mean, it's literally infinite cash flow. <laughs> it's that easy. Um, for those who don't know what rental arbitrage is, uh, just a quick summary of what it is. It's when you get a 
a property for rent from a landlord and you pay him the thousand dollars that we'll just use round numbers, a thousand dollars a month. If you can make $2,000 a month, you're profiting a thousand dollars a month because you're using your business to pay off the rent to the building. It's your personal office more or less, and you're renting it out to people. <laughs> right. As far as furniture, are you guys just paying that out of pocket or are you negotiating with the landlord? Cause I've heard, you know, that strategy mm-hmm. a couple of times, or are you guys financing it, raising private money? How's that work? All of the above, honestly. Um, the first property we got was at say 90, 90% furnished. So we had to furnish one single room with a couch, a love seat, a bookshelf and a coffee table. So we just raised a little bit of money and then we covered uh, the first month and the deposit. That's what we negotiated. So that was it up front. Um, another property was fully furnished and all we just had to cover was the entry fees of the deposits and the first month rent. And then we did a full furnished property by we had to furnish the entire thing from start to uh, top to bottom. And we raised the money to do that. And that also included the entry costs of deposits in first months. Yep. So a mix of it all, <laughs> truthfully. Love it. Love it. So I'm, I'm really interested just like uh, me personally, uh, mm-hmm. when you raise private money um, to cover the furniture, like, are you writing like a primary note to yes. the lender? Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Cause generally, you know, they would, they would have like a second lien on a yeah. real estate property or, you know, whatnot. So yeah, yeah you want to elaborate so, on that? The, that's the one caveat to this approach with private lenders. My best um, advice would be to really become friends with your lenders and make sure that you both are really close and understand what's happening. Form that bond, form that bond and form that relationship um, because there is that risk. It is just a promissory note in that sense. Um, there's not much to put that against. They do have a, pretty much a lien against the, the furniture that they purchased, but the to mitigate these risks if for any reason we had to vacate the property nothing really happens but you're going to take that furniture we're going to find a new property and just transfer it to it so they're actually not losing much and if you're able to explain that to them and work that out and make that clear like the business isn't over we just have to relocate and just be honest about that it'll be fine it should be fine so yeah are the rates pretty similar to your private money lender? I would imagine that, you know, they could probably charge a little bit more because it is deemed riskier. So we amortize the loan instead of a principal only. And our private lender is actually very favorable and giving us a very good rate. Um, the others that I've seen are, I'd say nine to 10%. So it's not bad by any means. Nice. Mm-hmm. Not bad at all. Awesome, bro. Yeah. So next steps, like what are you guys, I know you, and you mentioned that, you know, y'all are trying to lock up four or five more deals. Are those all arbitrage deals as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We started calling yesterday, actually. Colorado, Tennessee, Florida, and the Carolinas. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. You guys are cold calling using VAs or how's that? No, work? I'm doing the outreach alone. We run the numbers on what properties we want to tackle and target. And then I'll reach out to them specifically and try to have that conversation with them. So we just literally just snipering, shooting what we want. So let's say you find one that you want. Um, what would be the next steps from there? Because you would need someone to be, you know, boots on the ground, obviously, right? Yeah. So if I found one I wanted, again, the beauty of sub two, um, I pretty much friend anybody that I can in the area that's a part of sub two, because it is literally in every single state. 
And so um, then I figure out a way that we can be partners in some sort of fashion. Everybody gets paid, boots on the ground, help manage the property. So would they get a percentage of the revenue? How would you structure that uh, arrangement? All depends on how much work they want to be involved in and or what they're doing. If they're there, just help set up furniture and take pictures of the property. We'll just pay them outright. And then that'll right. be, you know, help us out in that sense. Um, if they do more and actually help manage the property and all that stuff. Yeah. We cut a deal. We cut percents into it. Uh, the profits. Yeah. I wanted to uh, touch base on it. So like, this uh, reminded me, we had a deal in, under contract um, in Syracuse, 11 units. And oh, yeah. uh, and Jock made like a quick post of, hey, is anybody out there? And I think you reached out and was like, hey, bro, that's in the back of my neighborhood, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like, there you go, boots on the ground, sub two coming in strong real quick. Yep. Love it. Yeah, everywhere. Just like that. <laughs> that's actually so clutch. You have like a little army in every city ready to to go to war for you. <laughs> Literally. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take this one completely off topic, but uh, today in your life, right? Mm -hmm. You are still working, t doing the tattoo thing. You're still cold calling. Um, you, you know, you're running a business. Like what's your normal day look like? What time do you wake up? Do you have a morning ritual? I love talking about morning rituals. Like it's such an important <laughs> part of my day. It is. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if I can win the morning, then I can win the day. I know that sounds corny and cheesy, but it's so true in my life, you know? So I always like to ask the guests. Yeah, no, it's, that's very fair. Um, I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. Uh, my man. Except, except Sundays. That's one of my one-day rest. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so one day I don't have to get up with the kids. Um, but I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. Um, I'll meditate for about 15 to 20 minutes. Um I'll try to actively think, I would say, for another 15 to 20 minutes, kind of map out my day a little bit. Um, and then I'll read for a good hour. Reading is probably my favorite part of my morning. Um, and then from there, I'll start probably a 45-minute workout just to keep active and fit at home. And then my son wakes up and I start doing stuff for the day with my family. And then I start working. <laughs> Pretty Bro, simple. That That's my morning routine. That is, that is a busy right morning, there, man. I love that. <laughs> love it. Very similar to my morning for sure. Yeah. I, I don't have any kids yet, but I'm hoping. <laughs> Got my fingers crossed. Nice soon. So, love it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Aiden, you want to do a little quick top four questions that we normally drill out? <laughs> I know we're getting we're getting kind of close to the show. Uh, in yeah. and uh, there, sure. there's four questions we always like to ask the guests, and uh, I'll let my man aid and take it off. I think you actually might have might have hit the first one already, but but I can uh, just go over it again. So, why short term rentals as an asset class? Uh, yeah, so I actually didn't answer that. We got sidetracked. Uh, short term rentals I chose because of the cash flow and the uh, ease of access. It's not it's not something that you hold long term in that sense. It's a it's a literal business. It's a hospitality business. It's not real estate. That's the main difference. It's just a, a machine that you build and it just prints money. That's it. You don't get the benefits of the tax depreciations or appreciation as the property, you know, grows in time. Um, but there are long-term plays when I chose arbitrage specifically, I am hopeful that when these landlords do decide to sell that I'm able to buy that property from them creatively at the end of it, because I've already proven the method works. 
So I'll be the sure. dude, I'll be the dude to do that, you know. So you'll be the first one they call, hopefully. <laughs> we already formed the relationship. I can continue to pay them what they want. I don't have to adjust anything. Yeah. If need be. That's the best yeah, part. I got a huge head start in building rapport over anyone that's gonna cold call that that uh landlord. Oh yeah, exactly. Good point. And then hopefully those landlords have other properties they want us to take over via arbitrage and then future sell. It's a partnership. It's a literal business. You're forming a colleague. You're building a colleague, whatever I'm trying to say. (laughs) You get it. The second question would be, how do you go about selecting a market for a short-term rental property? You know, you you mentioned that you're, you're trying to find the landlords, but are you targeting certain markets or certain areas, or are you just looking for landlords that have a problem? Uh, the, the beauty of arbitrage, you can target pretty much any state in the country and pretty much any city in the country. All you got to really do is learn your numbers as in what you want to net per month and very much stick to that buy box as we call it. Um, and just start hunting for properties that meet that criteria that are up for rent. It's you just, so example, we picked Colorado Springs. I know it's a good area. I just, yeah, everybody knows it's a good area. And then we're starting to find deals and I'm seeing great numbers. And um, it's just that simple. Just look until you find kind of what you want. And then what about the legality component? Just as a side question to that. So if you find a city, are you making sure that it's legal? Are you calling the, the, the municipality? How does that look? So, yes, we, we learned a lesson from that, actually. Um, we do sure it's legal for sure. Um, some states or in cities, rather some cities require permitting. Um, not all of them do. It doesn't make it illegal. You just have to make sure you go through the, you know, the government municipalities and whatnot. We learned that in Minneapolis in the city limits, I saw and read the law that they weren't going to be enacting, um, requirements for permits until March 1st of this year. We tried launching January 1st thinking we were fine. We were going to get it launched, then do the paperwork, grandfathered in, you know, go through the process. And uh, we got hit when we tried listing it live on Airbnb saying you can't list until you actually get your permitting now. So we were delayed by a whole month going through the process of the paperwork, getting in touch with the government, making sure we could legally do what we were doing. Um, Also along with the landlord, getting a short-term rental license on top of a long-term rental license. So it was a whole fiasco. Um, Wow. Wow. We figured it out and now we know how to do it in other cities. So it's, it was a great lesson. I just wanted to get a piece of advice from you for a new investor just starting their journey. Um, What would be your advice for them? Um, Pretty much what I said earlier, I would say for a new investor starting out to join real estate groups and find people actively doing deals and uh, squat up with them. I've tried a bunch of things and a handful of things inside of real estate. And uh, it took me a while to really find what I clicked with. I thought it was wholesaling. I thought it was going to be just sub two creative finance approaches, rap deals. I know I'm talking high language here, but um, it takes a while for you to kind of find what your niche is and don't be afraid to keep trying new things till you find it. That would be my advice. Love it. And how did you know that you found your niche? Did something change? Did something click? Um, when did you come to that realization? I think it, it really clicked when I um, saw a YouTube video 
of arbitrage and it made sense because I knew how to talk to business people with my background in tattooing and being in a professional setting of that sort and working with, you know, people of that nature. I knew how to talk to somebody that was of like-mindedness. I just had to figure out how to relate to them. And that's what mm. it worked. And I was able to show it was where I found that I could provide the most amount of value to them because I knew how to run a business previously because of tattooing. So. Love it. Nice, man. Um, question for you. So mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with, I think all of us are, uh, Sean Rocky Jeesh, right? Yeah. He's kind of one of the goats, one of the gurus. Um, and I think there's uh, another guy, Cheetah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of the same. He's all on arbitrage. And yep. it, at least from my understanding, they actually don't own any properties at all. They're just scaling their business straight from arbitrage. Is that your goal as well? Or do you plan on owning as well? I plan on owning as well. Actually, okay. I got goals to own uh, a lot this year as well as arbitraging too. So I'm actively doing both. I'm in the plans of figuring out how to develop uh, campsites up in wilderness area near me for Airbnb specifically. I'm trying, I'm looking at acreage to build small cabins and tiny home style stuff and uh, have a little getaway retreat. Yep. Love that. That's awesome. That's big, big right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a big project for sure. Those are, uh, that's awesome. That was- <laughs> That's funny. That was actually my last question was where do you see yourself in, in five years and, and what are your goals and what are you working on? But tiny home village. I love it. Yeah. Love awesome. It. Speak time. So um, where can, uh, where can everyone find you, man? If they want to connect, uh, what's the best way for people to reach out? Uh, best way to reach out to me would honestly be Instagram. Um, it's I'm at the tatted underscore investor. And then love I would that. say Facebook would be the next best place to reach out to me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, bro, it was a blast, man. Thank you so much for sharing your time today. Thank you, brother. Um, Yeah, man. We, so many blue gems. Um, Yeah, man. Appreciate it so much, brother. Thank you, man. Thank Thank you, you guys. This is great. Appreciate the time. Peace, my man. Take care. Later. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.